Hi, I'm Dr. Emmanuel Aiko. The early signs of a heart attack can vary. The most common include squeezing across the chest, a feeling of unease, and a sense that something just isn't right. It can be easy to dismiss the early signs of a heart attack as the symptoms don't always feel severe. It's never too early to call 999 and describe your symptoms. Your NHS is here for you. Well, look at this! Here's the guy here just in the nick of time! What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir! Ain't we just! bit of news from the other side of the Atlantic. AFC Richmond announced the hiring of their new manager, American football coach Ted Lasso. You're an American who's now in charge of a football club despite possessing very little knowledge of the game. Oh! Like it or not, Richmond are changing the way we do things. And from now on, that way is the Lasso way. Oi mate, this is you. I believe it is. Wicked. You coaching football, you are a legend for doing something so stupid. I mean, it's mental. They're gonna murder you. There's a maniac who seeks to end us all. I'm putting together the greatest team ever. Are you packed? Yes. We've got Korg. He's my best friend. Yes. There's my ex-girlfriend, Jane. Valkyrie. This is the best day of my life. The Guardians. I am good. And giant goats! Oh, look at those! They are wonderful! Yes, they are. They also scream quite a lot. You said this would be a relaxing holiday! You said it was going to be like a relaxing holiday. Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I am really, really miffed that Better Call Saul was just, just blatantly ignored at the 2022 Emmys this year. Okay. Hi, I'm producer Dave, and I'm pleased to announce that I have finally watched Thor Love and Thunder. <laughs> I love that you were like, I have nothing to contribute about Better Call Saul. I'm going to just switch switch lanes. Uh, but, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Um, we, we are going to talk about the Emmys. Uh, we're going to use that as our film and TV news section. So we will come back to my gripe about uh, Better Call Saul not being recognized in the Emmys this year. But you, you finally watched Thor Love and Thunder, right? Yep. What are your thoughts? Um... Fairly complex because I really, really, really loved Ragnarok. I thought that was really great. Okay. And I think they took the success of Ragnarok and took it just a little bit too far. So it was a little <laughs> bit of slapstick comedy. And I was like, oh, God, no, please. And then when I finished watching it, I thought to myself, well, I can see what they were trying to say, 
yeah in some respects i that he had nothing to live for blah 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 and he was looking for something and all of a sudden this came you know it it caused something in him to go a little bit unhinged and then when when Thorlet came back into his life Thorlet it gave him something to um gave him something to cling to the whole thing about what's it called Mounier and yes. and had his um uh, what's it called and, and Stormbreaker so, and Stormbreaker that was just like really but funny as well okay I like Mounier's new uh, power as well I thought that was really good I thought that, that was that, I didn't see that coming when it first happened so yeah, yeah. I thought it was quite good but um I don't know I, I, even though I could understand it it still didn't get up there it, it, it there's no way that it pa- passed um ragnarok. ragnarok it just didn't okay. do so but also um there are a couple of anachronisms in there as well because i thought he already had mulinier back mulinier back because of um endgame no no because endgame if you remember um he, in endgame captain america went back and returned everything right put no no, no. He, only, he, he only put the um the stones back in no place. but if no but you see you see when he's getting there he's cap because because now cap both caps america and thor can carry molinium right right so uh, mjolnir so you actually see caps america holding mjolnir as he's taking it back to go and drop the um the ether you know the the um the reality stone so he he does take mjolnir back with him to go and put it back in the timeline. Because remember, if he doesn't put Mjolnir back in the timeline, then that means Thor doesn't have Mjolnir for uh, the rest of, uh, you know, Thor Dark World, doesn't have Mjolnir for Age of Ultron, doesn't have Mjolnir for Ragnarok, the beginning of Ragnarok, before Hela destroys it. So he has to go and put it back so that the timeline isn't disrupted. Okay, you've answered that question then. Yeah, exactly. So that's right. why it goes away. Okay. Um, okay. I'll, I'll I'll take that one. I'll take did that. Did I one. did I mention did I did have, have I told you my feelings on Thor: Love and Thunder? No, you haven't. Um, okay. Without do so without spoilers. Do so without spoilers. You mean you mean like you've just done what you did? <laughs> All right. I'll do it without. I'll do it without spoilers. Hang on. Uh, unless you've seen the film, you don't know what Thorlet is. <laughs> that's fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I mean, Thorlet is already that was pretty much in the promotional campaign straight away. So True, that was yeah. um, that was Lady Thor or Mighty Thor, Jane Foster becoming Thor essentially. Yeah. Um, so, so me me talking about Thor: Love and Thunder. Um, without spoilers, my impression of it. So same as yourself, Thor Ragnarok for me is, it, it's tying, if it may, may be slightly below, but tying with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and Volume 2 as my favorite Marvel uh, MCU film of all time, right? Those three are, t- are right up there, the top, the top three, effectively, for, for me. Now, I, I really love Taika Waititi's work. I love what we do in the shadows. I love Boy. I love um, even, oh, what, Jojo Rabbit. I thought he was amazing in that. Um, it, it just His work just tickles me something. Eagle versus Shark. I mean, come on. Great indie uh, New, uh, New Zealand pick. Now, 
Ragnarok, he just knocked out of the park for me, right? So I, I was there. I loved that sense of humor. And I was so waiting for Love and Thunder. I went and I watched Love and Thunder. Now, here, here's me talking about my reaction without giving any spoilers. I watched the movie and I enjoyed it at the cinema. And I knew walking away from the cinema, I just kept saying to myself, nobody asked me how I feel about this movie because I'm in, I've enjoyed it. It's there and I'm not going to think about it because if I think about it, this it's going to happen. And sure enough, people ask me, the people I went to go watch it, so they're asking me questions like, oh, well, what about this part? And what about this part? Did you think about this? What do you think about this? And I started talking and the more I talked, the more I thought, okay, I enjoyed it in the moment. I was having fun in the moment because I'd given it, I'd built up so much goodwill for it that its mistakes, I was able to excuse them. But when you start to analyze those mistakes, that goodwill dissipates pretty quickly. And you begin to think, is this what we're left with? See, Ragnarok, for example, I because I, I didn't know what to expect because, I again, I knew Taika Waititi's stuff beforehand. But again, that was the time where I avoided trailers. So I had no idea what was coming. And it's hit me like like a ton of sweet bricks, right? I really enjoyed Ragnarok because I didn't know what was coming. I kept myself in the same kind of way for, for this one. Didn't want to know what was coming. Saw one trailer and kept it that way. Jumped in. Loved the opening sequences. Loved the use of certain types of... The, the fact that Christian Bale came in. And you know Christian Bale. When he's doing a project, he gives it his all. And boy, did he give it his all. But then you think about what, again, not spoiling it, but you give, you, you focus on what they had, what Taika Waititi had with that character, um, Gore, Gore the God Butcher, and the actor playing Gore the God Butcher, you know, Christian Bale, you know how, you know he can commit, right? You know he can go far, but it's not used. It's like, you have the potential to have another Thanos, another uh, Killmonger, but you don't use, you waste it. And then, and, and then, and the jokes, yes, the jokes were there, but then it, be, it, it, it became a case where, because uh, going back to Ragnarok, I keep going back to Ragnarok, uh, with Ragnarok, it came out that about 30% of the film was improvised, right? So someone else had written the script and uh Waititi came in and said right we're going to do most of the script we'll do the story but we're going to improvise quite a lot of it so a lot of the stuff that's there is improvised so it kind of works this one on the other hand I believe Taika Waititi is the sole or the main credited writer of it and you can tell most of it is improvised right he, he and it's it's him and his friends now tessa thompson uh um what's her what's her name oh it's the, the actress who plays jane foster oh it's escapes my, my natalie mind. portman natalie portman thank you natalie portman hemsworth all of these people they come in and they're just improvising you tell that they're having fun the problem with improvising is unless you're excellent at it and even when you're excellent at it there's a lot that's going to be left on the cutting room floor because sometimes the joke will not land properly or sometimes it will land in the room because of who's there and all the experiences and everyone's laughing, but we in the cinema are not watching and not weren't there. So that joke doesn't make sense to us. So it's like that kind of thing. And that comes 
are plenty in this film. And I and I keep thinking about it, I'm like, I still like it. I still like the film, but I see all its flaws out there. And it's like, it's definitely no Ragnarok. Um, it's, for me, still more memorable than uh, Dark World and maybe the first one. So, but that's damning it with faint praise, just saying it's better than those two. Um, so that's how I put it. The, the other thing was, um, this is a, a small spoiler, uh, didn't see Gomorrah. Yeah, yeah, because she's not... Did you watch Endgame? <laughs> I did, yeah. She came back, didn't she? She came back, but she didn't go with them. She she, she left. It's, like, it's a case where... Because um, there's, there's the whole thing about... The, the idea is that the, the Guardians of the Galaxy are going to go and try and find uh, Gamora. That's, and I don't know this for sure, but that's going to be one of the story threads in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Right, because they're going to find because this is a Gamora who doesn't have the shared experience with the Guardians. Right, she wasn't there when this is true. Uh, yeah, exactly. So she does. She she was there. Uh, you know, she's the person who literally was at the start of Guardians Volume One. So she doesn't end up on uh, Xandar with um, with Star Lord. Uh, so this version of Gamora, she doesn't end up there. She's not sent to Xandar to go on get the stone from Star-Lord, from uh, Peter Quill. So she doesn't have that shared experience with them, right? So that's the person they're going to go find so that they can then bring. So that's going to be part of the story thread for Guardians uh, Volume 3. Um, so that's why she's not there. But anyway, just long story short, I still like Thor, uh, Thor Love and Thunder. I still like it, but I am 100% certain the reason I still like it is because I like the people. I like Hemsworth. I think Hemsworth is amazing as Thor. I cannot picture anybody else playing that role. I think he was funny when he needed to be. He carried the movie. It was fantastic. Um, uh, Natalie Portman, I think Natalie Portman, she she's okay. She's good. Thor, Thor, <laughs> Let, Thor Let, as you said. It, it's, because, it's because I don't see Natalie Portman as the comedic type actress right she she's a she's great in dramatic roles you can tell she's trying to do the stupid comedy to try and get in on the fun and you're like oh okay haha that's slightly funny um tessa thompson for me valkyrie wasn't as good as when you saw her in ragnarok uh there were jokes that kept getting repeated um there's one joke in particular that is like i watched it and i was like oh it's, it's, it's a setup for his joke and it didn't happen it was the old spice joke they did, they, they, they did, this is a spoiler. Um, yeah, the, the old Spice joke, yeah. It fell it's, only a very, it's only, yeah, it's at the very beginning. It's not mm. even that, it, it's a blink and you'll miss it. So she's doing the advert for Old Spice, right? So mm. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to spoil this one there because she's doing the advert for Old Spice. Do you remember the Old Spice advert? Yes, I do, yeah. Yes. How does that advert end? Oh, gosh. It's a, it, it, because they do multiple versions, right? And it's And I think it's the same ending for all of them. I'm on a horse, right? So he always ends up because he's doing you know, the old spice guy, right? Where it's like he's flicking, he's like, uh, look at your man, look at me, now look at him, now look at me. He, he, oh, he, that one. Me. Yeah, that one. Yes, that one. Guy, that, right? that was the most recent one, the old old spice ones. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. 
it, it's a moving one. Yeah, so that uh, that particular advert, that for me is the first Old Spice advert, is the most popular in my opinion anyway. And mm. it ends with him because he's just flipping from one scene to the next seamlessly, right? Where he's on a boat and he's on the, on the beach and he's on the sand and whatnot. And it just ends up on a horse randomly. And the fact that they didn't end that gag with her on her freaking winged horse and her just going, I'm on a horse, right? It's right there, and it didn't happen. And I, I watched it. And this is so. This is this is what I'm thinking when I'm watching the movie. So that tells you, right? It's like I'm not. I'm no longer focusing on the movie itself. I'm no longer focusing on on the story. I'm focusing on the jokes that could be told, which in itself is a fault in that film. The fact that it is just a. It's it's literally airplane, if you will. You're watching it for the gags. You're not you don't you don't care about what's going on with the story. And I've watched a number of critiques about it because a lot of people did not like Love and Thunder. And when I say a lot of people, I mean the people who are very vocal about how MCU is going downhill. So a lot of them have done video essays on how Love and Thunder is terrible and it's it's showing how MCU is eating itself and it's gonna die, blah blah blah. I don't care about that stuff. I do care, I watch it for my own my sins. But anyway, they, they do have a point in the sense that a lot of stuff that's been done in Thor Love and Thunder kind of ruins the backstory and everything else and what's going to happen now to the game. Anyway, regardless, for me, Ragnarok is still number one favorite. And then there's a huge drop and it's Love and Thunder and then Thor one and then uh, the other one. Anyway, I've been rambling for way too much. This is pretty today. This is true. This is your fault. You brought up- It's not. I tried to stop you, but- Anyway, you, you tried to stop me. Anyway, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko. And I'm producer Dave. And uh, yes, I've been rambling about Thor, Love and Thunder, but let's move on from that. Uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna have the wonderful, the talented, uber successful. Uh, he's gonna hear this and he's gonna be like, please stop. Uh, Giles Alderson, filmmaker, podcaster. He's a podcaster with uh, the Filmmakers Podcast. He he and Dom Lenoir used to do um, and i think they still are going to be doing it and uh, they do seminars uh, make your film they're basically helping uh, young filmmakers or aspire not young aspiring filmmakers to go in and make their first film and he's a film film director filmmaker in his own right he's done a number of great films one in particular is a is, is a, a, a horror movie i championed quite a bit called the dare he's now come out with not one but two films and he, we're going to be talking to him uh, in our spotlight section, which is coming up soon. But before we do that, let's jump into film and TV news. So in our film and TV news, um, I was moaning about how Better Call Saul was not uh, recognized at all, where well, it was recognized, but it missed out on a whole bunch of awards at the 74th Primetime Emmy Awards. It's basically, <laughs> I was going to say, it's the Golden Globe for TVs, but it's, I guess Golden Globe is TVs, but in fact, if anything, no, it's the Oscars for TVs. That's what I'm going to say. Um, so Primetime Emmy Awards, it, it was uh, on... Uh, when, when, when was it? it, um, it I mean, it, it's gone past now anyway. Uh, Keenan Thompson was the host, and there were a number of uh, of uh, not necessarily shocks, but uh, but particular projects that swept the boards, if you will. 
what I'm if it, this, what's consoling me that Better Call Saul wasn't really awarded was the fact that another one of my favorite shows uh, went in and crushed, and it's Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso just it's on Apple TV. Stars Jason Sudeikis as the American. Uh, the American who is a soccer coach, a lot of people are now saying it's not soccer, it's football. He's a is an American coach who's been hired and brought to to the to England or to, to the UK to uh, manage um, Richmond FC, which is a fictional football team. I don't actually know if it's a fictional. It we'll call it a fictional football team, um, and he has to uh, basically get them into their winning ways. It's a fantastic, feel-good TV series. I didn't know much about it. I started hearing a number of people saying it's great. I went and watched it, and oh boy, it is just fantastic. So it won outstanding comedy series. It beat things like Barry, which is another great show. You can go check it out. Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel, it beat that one. Only Murders in the Building, which is on Disney Plus or Hulu. And What We Do in the Shadows, which is the TV version of the Taika Waititi um, TV uh, film. Um, but it beat all of those ones. Um, Producer Dave, have you seen Ted Lasso? Uh, no, I still haven't. Uh, however, I think I probably will over Christmas because, uh, yeah, yeah, I probably will watch it over Christmas. Oh, it's a, it's it. Oh, if you're watching, that's three seasons that you're going to be binging across the Christmas period. Try and do it in a way because there's a Christmas episode in it. Try and time it so that you can watch the Christmas episode on Christmas. It is just a beautiful TV show. Oh. Oh, okay, I'm going back to go watch it. I'm, I, I said that the other day. Uh, I watched, because I'm watching C, which again didn't get recognized in the Emmys. I don't know why. Uh, it's weird. But anyway, uh, C is a great TV show, also on Apple. But Ted, as soon as I finished watching C, I was like, oh, I've got to go back and watch Ted Lasso because it's great. Anyway, other shows that uh, got uh, recognized at the Emmys, Succession, um, the Brian Cox TV show, uh, won Best Outstanding drama series it beat better call saul it beat ozark it beat euphoria it beat severance which i started watching and i stopped not because it's terrible but because it's like eh, it's okay I, I like what they're doing um it beat squid game it beat stranger things and it beat yellow jackets um pretty today have you seen any of those shows that i rattled out uh squid game uh and that won an award i know it did. Squid Game, well, Squid Game did it, the, the uh, outstanding lead actor in a drama series, Lee Jung Jae. He won for outstanding lead actor. He was terrific. I mean, Squid Game, amazing. It was an amazing TV show. Um, and his performance was fantastic. You were with him as the lead, bought it. He just, he was great. So, absolutely fantastic. Also, on uh, um, directing. Did it win directing? I yeah, best directing for a drama series. Okay, so I missed that one in particular because I was focusing on the ones where they were like swinging a whole bunch of stuff like Outstanding Limited or Anthology Series, White Lotus, The White Lotus, that one for Outstanding Limited or Anthology Series. That's a show about uh, a resort um, in, in, in Hawaii. I think it's Hawaii. I may have mistaken exactly where it's been a while I've seen it. I, I enjoyed the show. It was great. It starts off with a little mystery. It starts off the very first episode. You see that there is a, it's the, um, it's the people who is a group of people, random group of people who are coming back from this resort called the White Lotus. And they're bringing back Coffin, 
right? That's how it starts. That's literally how it starts. And then it flashes to like, what, two weeks earlier or something along those lines. And then you find, so, so throughout you're thinking, who's in the coffin? Who's in the coffin? Obviously you've seen some people in, the, in that first scene. So you know it's not going to be them, but you're wondering who's it going to be? So they're usually, you know, it's like, you just, is it going to be this person? Is it going to be this person? And different reasons, you're like, oh, that's why it's going to be this person. And, and, I, and I, I kind of, I don't think I guessed correctly who the person was that ended up in that coffin. But it's, uh, but yeah, it's a good show. So uh, it beat Dope Stick, which is the uh, Michael Keaton um, uh, drug pusher movie. Uh, the Dropout, which I can't remember who's in that one. Inventing Anna from Netflix, that's... Uh, uh, based on a t- kind of like a swindler lady and Pam and Tommy that's the one on Disney plus so yeah White Lotus beat those ones um then we say uh, let's see let's what other things okay we've already talked about oh outstanding lead actor in a comedy series my man Jason Sudeikis he won that one he beat Donald Glover from Atlanta uh, beat Bill Hader from Barry uh, Nicholas Holt from The Great Nicholas Holt in The Great is amazing but Jason Sudeikis beat him. Um, also, outstanding lead in a comedy series, Gene Smart in Hacks. That's one I haven't seen, and I do want to see that. She beat Rachel Brosnahan uh, from Marvelous Miss Maisel, Kaylee Cuoco from uh, Flight Attendant, uh, Elle Fanning from The Great. She's also very, very good. And Issa Rae from Insecure. Um, and you, you, you mentioned um, Lee Jong-jae from uh, Squid Game for outstanding lead actor in drama series. The outstanding lead actress in a drama season a series, Zendaya from Euphoria, which is one I haven't seen. Uh, Producer Dave, have you seen Euphoria? No, I haven't. No, no. What is it's, it about? It's okay. From what yeah, I see, in actual fact, maybe maybe save save it for another episode because I okay. know we're we're, we're going to be running out of time. We're running out of time. Okay, that's Producer Dave who's doing that. Anyway, so you can go and check out on uh, the on Wikipedia the 74th Primetime Emmy Awards to check out all that stuff. Producer Dave is doing his job and is getting me to move on to the next segment. So you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm Producer Dave. And this is Spotlight. <laughs> You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And it's been it's been way, way too long since we've had this gentleman on the show. Every time I keep trying to invite him, he keeps saying he's busy. I don't believe him. And then eventually he's like, eh, you know how people like try to avoid your phone calls and whatnot. And then, you know, check on Twitter and it's like, hey, I've got two films that I've directed and they're out. And it's like, Okay, fine. You're busy. Um, so I'll <laughs> let him introduce himself. Please tell us your name and the, the two films that you, you, you've been working on for, for like however long. Marcus, I would never ignore your calls. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been lucky enough to be sort of working through the pandemic and making movies and getting on with stuff. And uh, yeah, I made a movie called The Stranger in Our Bed, which came out last Monday, a week ago, um, on a 
platforms and the same with wolves of war um my world war ii movie which came out on monday so crazy the way you just throw it out there it's like yeah yeah i just made two movies is it it's these two are it's so so polar excuse me sorry i'm i'm i might have missed something but um did i hear his name don't worry i caught that i'm waiting i'm gonna bring it back in okay but it's like <laughs> I, the the filmmaker filmmaker extraordinaire Giles Olsen, filmmaker, podcaster, actor, football player, everything extraordinaire. The, he just he just flippantly drops it that he he did two films. These are two films that are complete opposite of each other in terms of genre and style and everything. And it just come on. Come on, yeah, so come on. Struggling to make a short film, you're like, well, I just the pandemic, but yeah, they're out. Go see them. There, I know. Yeah, that's the and thing is, I I don't act anymore, so that's one thing that doesn't, you know, that takes up a lot of time. So that that's now out the way, no problem. But yeah, I think it's just sometimes that's the way it worked. And on these two films, they happen to come out within a week of each other. Mm-hmm. And okay, I might have shot them, what, maybe six, seven months apart. So not that far apart anyway. But the fact that they come out two, a week apart, is, it's lovely, of course. I'm not complaining, but it's hard. It just sounds like a bit of a dick. Oh, hey, do you want to go support my film? <laughs> yeah, okay. Which one? Which one? <laughs> oh, so do you. You look at show off. And I'm like, no, 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 please don't. I'm, I've worked so hard on these. And everyone who, who worked on them was amazing. And you just feel like, yeah. So the, my Instagram and stuff at the moment is just potted with that film. Then that film. And here's a behind the scenes from this film. And uh, I don't know. I, you know, you take it with a pinch of salt and just be like, look, I'm grateful over the moon to have any kind of film out, indie film or whatever. So. So let's, yeah. let's let's make the filmmakers green with envy. Let's start with the first one film. We'll start with uh, the Stranger in Our Bed. Then we'll jump to Wolves of War. And then I want to I, I want to give a shout out to the Dare because I still think that's an amazing movie. Thank it doesn't you. Get half as much praise as it should do. Yes, uh, and then we'll talk about the podcast <laughs> that you do, filmmaker sure. podcast, because uh, that that's pretty much what inspired me to do this. So we'll talk about that last. Let's start about The Stranger in Our Bed. So first of all, what is The Stranger in Our Bed all about? It's a thriller. It's a dark, twisty thriller. One of those cool Sunday night movie thrillers. You know, one of those on Netflix, if your partner and try and work out who done it type thing. Uh, it's written by Samantha Lee Howe based on her best-selling novel of the same name, which was, uh, I think it was it yes it was it was a usa bestseller um uh, novel so yes terry dwyer picked up the rights to it and uh terry and dean fisher produced it and they asked me to pitch and i pitched for it and i got the gig um and uh, yeah it's really nice it stars emily barrington it's a really nice thriller sorry i I did want to say it's really nice and full stop that's ridiculous can't say that about your own movie at all uh it's it's a nice thriller um and it stars emily it's your your own movie you can say whatever you You can but again you you know what i mean you can't say my movie is amazing you can't you can't can't. (laughs) and plus plus i only see the faults anyway i only see the things where we struggle to get the shots and the gaps and the things we had to plug so yeah no filmmaker's ever going to be happy with what they shot or what's the final product You, you just have to accept something sometimes um yeah that one line in particular as a director i mean how do you how do you 
get yourself to enjoy the premiere of the film because I mean watching it before doing the cast and crew premiere that's fine you can do that one because you you can spot the issues and then take it away fix it before the main premiere uh, of the movie but when you're watching the main we admit you can't take it back and you can't no. fix it no so you can't fix it you, how do you deal with that you, it's it's a really tough process you just have to you have to just park it you have to like close the drawer on it and say that was the film we made that's the film we made together because if you started wallowing you're in your own sort of like oh we could have changed we could have changed i still feel like that about the day i still feel like that about arthur and melon you know in these two films as well and anything i've produced you go oh we could oh i just wish we'd spent more time on sand oh i wish i'd just spent more time on 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 on, on. do a pickup of that i wish i'd got that shot we could do that forever and really hurt ourselves and Sometimes it's just, you just have to let it go because otherwise you just, just torment yourself of, oh God. And you hope people don't see those faults. You know, you hope they don't. Most people don't even notice. They just either go along for the ride and enjoy it or they just go, yeah, it's not for me. And that's cool. It's cool. It's totally fine. <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, you just have to put in your head space that it's, it's, you've worked hard. Everyone's worked hard and, yeah, you just have to let it go. But that it's not easy. No, it's not. It's a, definitely a skill. My, it took a while for me to do that. To be honest, now it's like, okay, that's it. They're out. They're out. Don't just let it go. What will be, will be. You just end up like Ridley Scott making nine versions of Blade Runner. Exactly. And to be honest, if I had Ridley's money, I'd I'd probably do the same. <laughs> like, right, I'm going back in. I'm going in. Doing it. So, okay, so so um so what for those people who didn't read the story, the the book of uh, the stranger in our bed, what you said it's a thriller. What is the story, the actual crux of the story of, of uh, the stranger in our bed? Stranger in our bed is uh, about a woman who is in a bit of a, an abusive relationship. Really, we don't know what he's been up to, but he's very rich. He's very powerful. And he's kind of got it under her control. And Emily Barrington plays the character of Charlotte. And she is trying desperately to do anything to survive in this world, this manpower world that she's living in. And she falls in love with someone else, a very caring, passionate artist. And she wants to run away with him. And she tells her husband she's going to run away with him. And the next day, she's going to meet her lover. And he doesn't show up. He's disappeared. And now she's got nowhere to go. He's taken all her friends away, her family away, and she has to go back to him because what's she going to do? She feels another thumb. She feels embarrassed. And then she makes makes it her mission to find out what happened to her lover. See, Emily Barrington is someone I first saw in Humans mm. uh, on Channel 4. Mm. Uh, terrific actress. Terrific. Uh, and it just, in the trailer uh, for, for The Stranger in Our Bed, it, she, she, she conveys... Oh, she conveys that quintessential damsel in distress. Uh, same as with all the movies that you described, the Netflix thrillers. You know, the uh, uh, the the girl on the is it the girl on the train and, and yeah, Gone Girl and, and uh, yeah. Gone Girl, etc. Yeah. Uh, she she does she embodies that character so well in just mm-hmm. the trailers. I can't wait to see this film. Um, how long were you, how long in the production process were you brought in, and what sort of effects did you have on the story once they said? Giles, it's yours to direct. Yeah, I think every director or producer wants to put their own stamp on it and maybe more, much more so with the director, especially because I do write myself as well. So <clears throat> I've always wanted to, you know, you have to always put your stamp on it, how you're going to direct it. And um, you want to tweak the script. And Samantha was brilliant at going, 
because it's her novel and she's so close to it. So it's very, you know, it's difficult for her to just go, well, of course, do what you want. So we had some amazing conversations about how we could make it work really well for the film, for, you know, for people to watch. Uh, novels are very hard to adapt because you end up trying to write what's on a novel page. This happens, then this happens. But actually in film, you can't. It's more about the visual medium and how you convey that secretly and get things that in, in a book you can hear in someone's mind because they say them you know what I mean it's like you read the pages uh, but on the script you can't do that you have to know what they're thinking and therefore you have to show that with images and let the audience try and work it out so we had a lot of fun developing it and getting it ready but it wasn't long I mean I remember scrambling for maybe three weeks we really needed the script finished so I was happy for the cast and because it was the middle of COVID, it was really tough to suddenly, you know, it's not that quick a turnaround. And we didn't have much time to get our cast in once we tidied that script. So uh, Kate Planting, the casting director, was probably going, "What? come on, I need this, I need this. I'm like, it's coming, it's coming, bear with us. <laughs> and you mentioned the cast, it, it has, a, it packs a lot of a lot of people who you've seen them, they're very brilliant character actor, actor, mm. actors and actresses, Samantha Bond. Uh, Terry Dwyer, Joseph Marcel was yeah. the one that popped up in the cast list. Uh, people who remember Jeffrey from The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Um, it's just as soon as I saw the list, I was like, "Wow, okay." So yes, I can't wait to see this. Tell us, I'm I'm someone who grew up watching Joseph Marcel in mm. Fresh Prince, and I've seen him in only a handful of things outside of that. Uh, what was it like working with him? And as an actor. How different is he from Jeffrey from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? <laughs> Look, he's been working for a long time in this industry. You know, he was a theatre actor way before Fresh Prince. And he was telling some stories on set about Fresh Prince and the fact that he, that how he got the job. And it's really interesting. I won't spoil it on here. I'll let him tell you, hopefully, if you get him on or he, that's his story. But it was really interesting. And the stories he told on set when he was on The Fresh Prince as well. And he's a wonderful man. There's no question about it. Joseph is a delight to work with. He was attentive. He listened to what I uh, asked of him and he performed brilliantly well um I loved him he was a he was a joy to have on set you know when people are just amazing and you're just happy to be around and no fuss and it's all good he was that uh you know you're always in awe of these people when you ask them to come and do a, a you know roles in anything you know we, we had Nina Wadier as well who I'd worked with in the past and Andy Osho again worked with her these these are just brilliant actors um but yes it you know working with Joseph Marcel is an absolute delight uh, and he embraced the role and he pushed his limits, but he's, he, he knows his box. He knows how he can perform. He knows what he's doing and yeah, he delivers. So I, I, yeah, Joseph's legend. Absolutely. Uh, and, and the film is The Stranger in Our Bed. You say it's out now at the moment on various platforms. Mm -hmm. uh, is there a social media tag that people can use to you know, go on Instagram to follow it, to find out more about the project? Uh, I think the, the hashtag we're using is, Hashtag the stranger in our bed. There's no socials for it, really. Buffalo Dragon are the place. They're the company behind it. Terry Dwyer's company uh, with Greg Barrow. And they're the place if you want to follow more about the film. Or me, because I'm like clearly pushing it all the time. Of films. <laughs> more films of mine. Ridiculous. Uh, me. Apologies. Uh, sorry. <laughs> speaking of which, let's move on to the second film. Before we sure, do that. Why not? <laughs> You're listening to, the sh to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. 
And we're speaking with the man who who's so humble and so modest, he doesn't want to mention his name, Giles <laughs> Alderson, uh, filmmaker, extraordinaire, podcaster. We'll come to the podcast in a second. We've just talked about The Stranger in Our Bed. Let's move on to, let's switch genres completely. Let's do it. Because, again, if I mention someone like Stanley Kubrick and mm. whatnot, Giles, we'd be like, no, what are you talking about? Please I don't put me in that bracket. He's nowhere as good as I am. But <laughs> let's talk not. about the next one. <laughs> I mean, he is. Wait, what? So, <laughs> so tell us about confused. Wolves of War. What is it about? Wolves of War is about uh, four soldiers right at the end of World War II who have to go on a mission to rescue an American scientist uh, from evil Nazis, obviously. And these are a, a separate bunch of people run really by their commando, Matt Willis, uh, Ed, Ed Westwick is in there, Sam Gittings and Jackson Booz as the American soldier who is uh, tasked with trying to find um, said American, played by Rupert Graves. But uh, Jackson's character is... Uh, not really been in the war. So this is his first time seeing any kind of action. And it's basically four really interesting characters going on this journey to rescue um, our American. And it, 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 it's, it's, you know, it's formulaic. It's got, it says what it is on the tin. You probably, you might've seen this kind of movie before, but what we wanted to do was something a bit more character led. We wanted to try and get these, the arcs of the characters. We wanted to try and make you feel for these characters and tell something that was slightly more, uh, I've got to be careful how I say this because war is a serious thing. It's not something you can be flippant about at all. But I wanted to sort of make a more of an adventure movie, if that makes sense. More like Where Eagles Dare, um, you know, not like Saving Private Ryan. It's been done and, you know, you need money to make it, you know, look good. So therefore, how can you think outside the box in an indie film and make something that's still interesting and still cool and people know about the film and like it? because of the characters and the journey and you want them to succeed and you care about them. So that's what we wanted to do. And yeah, and it was, it's also challenging trying to make a war film. There's no question about that. Well, of course. I mean, even from the way you've described it straight away, it, it's it, where you've described it as this is the end of the war. And it's this mission of these, these small group of this band of misfits, if you were mm. going to perform this one last mission, immediately yeah. you can tell, yes, you're going to be, uh, you're, going, you're going to be respectful of the setting, Second World War and mm -hmm. etc. But it's about these characters, as you said, the character story. And you know that you're going to be rooting for the group of soldiers going to go and uh, do this particular mission. Yes. Uh, one thing that I'm really impressed by uh, is just that, I mean, you said you shot them uh, six months apart. But it's the mm. switch from the psychological thriller of The Stranger in Our Bed to this, uh, this you know, uh, boys club uh, war movie, action adventure mm. war movie that you've switched into um, with your approach for this particular project, how did you clear your palette I mean, which one came first, The Stranger in Our Bed or uh, Wolves of War? Stranger in Our Bed. Okay, so how did you cleanse your palette to get into this new macho type of movie uh, when you were dealing with something that was a full psychological thriller? It's interesting, that question. I've never really thought about that. I, I suppose it maybe comes from my acting background of constantly jumping genres. You know, I did a lot of horror, then comedy. and You know, you're always jumping when you're auditioning or whatever. Next day could be, you know, sci-fi. Then suddenly you're doing a, a war movie, whatever it is, you're doing that. So maybe it comes from that. But I think directing is about 
the process and the planning and how you think about storytelling. And we're all storytellers, every single one of us. We've done it since we were kids, reading stories and then telling a story to our parents. This happened. I've just seen a ghost. But you're trying to find a beginning, middle and end to everything. And we as people, we're very creative, but that creativity gets pushed away a lot of the time because we've got jobs and we've got to earn money. But actually, when you get to play, in the field of creativity and making films, such a, an amazing thing to do is that you can just suddenly go, okay, what do I want to tell here? What's the story I want to tell? And with Walls of War, I was like, well, I want to tell this, you know, adventure film with some, you know, try and get some funny lines in here and let's make these characters real like they would do in the real, you know, they take the piss out of each other, but they're also give a shit and they care. And I think you, I think you just process them as you would process any thing it's like okay the thriller is getting inside someone's mind well that's the same as the war film you're still getting inside someone's mind with a thriller it's about how you develop the shots okay with the war film it's about how you develop the shots okay so so what's the difference the difference is it's just about maybe there isn't one but it's about telling the story through those shots and your camera choices like for instance the stranger in our bed we i was very much steady cam i was very slow moving slow moving in getting everything really for the right tone of the movie so you believed which character was pushing more i had different colors for each character for instance so i'd it'd be a bit lighter at certain scenes or with certain characters i'd try and make the audience think a certain way with a character so you'd make them feel lighter when actually they were darker or their character and then someone who you wanted to think was evil switch switch it around whereas world war ii film me and Stu white who shot that one we were much more handheld and then when we went solid for uh, for interior scenes and stuff we literally kept the camera solid and we kept it still and clear and really wanted to force the story along so for me it's all about your shots and your choices and how you work with the actors and what you want to get across to your audience and if that's fun and adventure a bit more like the war film and seriousness within that then great whereas it's a thriller you can really play with camera stuff you can play with acting choices even more but uh, they're very similar i think they don't think there's any difference between any genre really and when you're directing you're just trying to get the best story across and get the best performances and the best shots you can that makes sense i can see how you because obviously it's still even though you're still telling a different story and again from an outsider's perspective would be they're completely different genres you know they're separated from each other you're the one that's still telling the story so you're you're more interested in what story you want to tell the genre comes afterwards so you're yes. happy uh, yeah so as you said you, you know you're using uh, more uh, you know ha- uh, handheld cameras you're moving around with the camera quite a lot with the mm. action set piece while Correct. steady cam even though you're moving it it's controlled it's mm. locked down and uh, so that it's, it doesn't get she doesn't shift quite a lot which, which which makes sense now this is the with uh, Wolves of War, this is the first war film you've done, correct? Yes, it is. Yes. What did you find was the most surprising uh, experience to happen while shooting or preparing this particular film that you haven't really encountered in any of the other films? Um, it was how nice, and I suppose, and how uh pleasant wrong words i'm trying to find decent words now i'm tired i'm in wales and we're shooting at the moment it's late um and um i think it's what surprised me the most was how easy everyone fell into being 
in that period. As soon as they put the costumes on, as soon as we put the cameras up, we shot a Bentwaters in Ipswich, which is a World War II. They built it during World War II. So everything looks like pretty much like it does. And there's Austrian pine there, which makes it look like Germany. So you can kind of point the camera nearly anywhere you want to do it. So suddenly you do that and you've got these boys in costume and you get them in the characters and you really talk to them about what their characters are. And suddenly this wonderful world opens up and you're like, oh my God, we're living it. I remember on the first day, all four of my lead actors, we shot uh, a church scene. It was the, the first scene we shot. And I just remember looking around and looking at them all just before we're about to roll. And they were all in character. They all just were in their own little zones, finding their selves, finding their feet about those characters. And I just thought, yeah, yeah, we sunk into it. And I think that surprised me so much because you worry, you think, how are we going to make it a war film? You know, what's, how? And obviously, if you plan it all and you prep it all, you can shoot what you want to shoot. But that surprised me, just how easy it was like, oh, OK, we just all slotted in. And there it is. You suddenly, you know, you, you're not in World War II, of course. There's nothing like that uh, could compete to what we do. But you've got the impression of it. And that was amazing. That's good. And you got you, you mentioned uh, Est, uh, Ed Westwick, mm -hmm. who is, uh, is you know, everyone knows him from Gossip Girl, mm. uh, and Rupert Graves, uh, yeah. Lestrade from Sherlock. Sherlock, yeah. Uh, just you know, great, uh, great actors as well who pop up and and you know you you spend time with them. Now again, just as you mentioned, when we were no nowhere near World War Two, how do you how do you as a director? talk to the actors and give them direction obviously from an act actor's perspective the actors will go they'll do their research and they'll come back and you know know what their character is supposed to do you're the director that wants them to perform in a certain way what techniques do you use to be able to speak to your actors and say this is what i want you to do on screen there's so many uh tips and tricks for that i Every actor's individual as well. That's something to remember. None of them are the same. So you can't give the same direction to one actor as you can another. Uh, for instance, Ed Westwick is he's very serious. He's very in the moment. He's very there and present. And he wants very clear direction. What do you want? Okay, cool. Let's do this. And he's there. He's in character and he's brilliant. Uh, and then you've got Sam Gittings, who just needs maybe a little whisper, a little push, a little, you know, okay, how about this? How about that? And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you'll find it again and you play again within that. Uh, and then you've got other actors like Anastasia Martin, who you, you, you know what I mean? You can just uh, be open with and she'll go, she'll embrace that and come back at you. And someone like Rupert Graves, you know, he's amazing. You don't need to give him too much direction but what you can do is talk about character there you can talk about where he's come from where he's been and within that scene that they're performing what more do you want out of them than they're giving you because every actor comes with a performance and that's why you should never stifle what they come with don't tell them okay do it like this before they've done it no let them do it they've practiced they're prepared they've learned the lines and they're coming with something cool show me that and if it's anywhere near what you want brilliant if it's not Okay, now you've got to dive deep and go, okay, how do we get to the same point? And hopefully you've done that before. If you spent time, you know, going through in prep and hopefully talking to them about character, which I did with Ed so much, and we just spent quite a lot of time talking about the character on the phone. And therefore, it's an easier situation when you get to set because you've already had those deep conversations. You've already talked about why they're there and why they need to pick up a gun in a certain way, et cetera, et cetera. Because on set, you do not have time to do that. So any of those conversations need to be done way before because time is your most valuable tool on a film set as an indie filmmaker. 
because if you're spending chatting about a character, you haven't got anything in the can. You haven't got anything on film. If it's not on film. It's not in the movie. It doesn't matter what you talked about. It doesn't matter how great that one take was. It doesn't matter if you haven't got the reverse. It makes no difference. You've ruined it. So all that kind of conversations need to happen when the setup's happening, when makeup's been done. Go first thing. As soon as you see them in the makeup chair, go over. Let's talk about the scene today. How are you feeling about it? What do you want? Great. Now you're not doing it on set when the pressures, when the nerves are kicking in, when the makeup doesn't feel right, the costume feels funny, they've had too much breakfast, whatever it is, they're feeling uncomfortable. But if you've already had those conversations, you're coming on set to do the scene and do the work. And that's when you can play in that sandbox. And that's when everything comes alive. And that's Wolves of War, which is also out uh, on all avenues that you can get, all mediums that you can get uh, the movie on. on uh, same with uh, The Stranger in Our Bed. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we're here with Giles Alderson, who has just released two movies, The Stranger in Our Bed and Wolves of War, which is out now. Go check it out. Um, a few of uh, maybe a, it's almost about a year ago. No, uh, no, no, three years ago. Wow, time has flown by. Um, since you came up with The Dare, which again, genre shift, yep. this is horror. Yeah. Um, so just really quickly tell us what The Dare is about and tell us if, how we can get to watch that movie. Wow, it's a long time since I've talked about that, and actually, it's been about seven, eight years since it really came into my mind, sat in my loft, and I came up with the idea for it. Um, but it was five years ago when we started shooting it. And it, I think it was three years ago it came out, as you said. So the, the dare is about um, four people trapped in a basement and there is someone keeps coming down and they have to torture each other potentially. Uh, but why, how does that happen? In the meantime, there is uh, an old man and young boy upstairs in the farmhouse and they're all connected somehow, or are they? Or are they not? <laughs> I haven't talked about that film for so long. I can't remember how to pitch it. <laughs> it, 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 it. You don't even need to pitch it anymore because it's been out for quite a while. I watched it. I really, really enjoy it. I, I Every time I get the chance to to mention, to recommend it to someone, I definitely say to go and watch it. Rec- I'm, it it's doing it a disservice saying it's kind of like the Saw movies. Uh, there is a hint or similarity to it, but it's it, it far elevated from those ones, especially the latter ones and whatnot. So I, I think you did a great job. Now, just with that, it, we've jumped from psychological thriller to war movie to horror. Here's the question I want to ask you. Give me your favorite comedy movie of all time, because so far we haven't seen you make comedy. Let's see you. Let, what, what kind of comedy movie is your favorite of all time right now, Giles, off the top of your head? Uh, oh my gosh! Uh, there's so many. Book Smart's amazing. Uh, Super bad. Uh, yeah, I love all those kind of films. I'm a you huge have to eradicate all fan. of them. They wipe them off the list. You have to pick yeah. one. Uh, okay, let's go with Back to the Future. What? That's not <laughs> <Okay>. a comedy. <laughs> all right. I was, I was I was like, okay, okay. What is he gonna pick? What is he gonna pick? And he had you Bridesmaids. Out, like... Bridesmaids is pretty pretty up there. I really like that. But movie. Bridesmaids is good. Bridesmaids are good. Yeah, but I'm hoping um, to make a comedy soon. That's that's the plan. I've written one um with my pal Noel Sullivan. So fingers crossed we can actually get that made very soon. And you said you're in Wales right now shooting yeah. something. What is it that you're shooting? It's a TV series at the moment. Yeah. Um I say more when i can but the moment it's uh, yeah we're just just making that it's it's not it's more um uh, fact-based than fiction so yes we're just here getting that done but it's full on at the moment about to go to italy 
tomorrow um and then switzerland and then uh, spain and portugal along the way yeah he's, he's not bragging at all not bragging at all. Not, no no it's just work mate it's just work <laughs> It's okay. In six years, when you come back on the show, you can tell us more about the TV show. We'll definitely do that, of course. Uh, Now, just before we wrap up, I want to, you're still doing the Filmmakers podcast. Uh, For those people who don't know about it, tell us what it is. um, Tell us, you know, how we can get it. And because that is what inspired me to do this show. So please tell us, what is the Filmmakers podcast? Amazing. Thank you. Um, Filmmakers podcast is exactly that. It it's a tool which kind of tells you how to make your movies. It doesn't say tells you. It's from our, what we kind of think, how we've made movies. And we all sit and discuss basically what we've chatted about today. We go much more in depth. And we have guests on pretty much every week. I, you know, I've been doing it for five years now, every Tuesday. And we've had some amazing guests uh, all the way from the writer of Jurassic Park, writer of 1917, huge directors, Fernando Morelos list goes on to indie filmmakers people have made stuff for 10 million 100 million people have made stuff for 10 pence uh and it's all the joys the ups and downs of how people make movies and me and a load of other cool hosts who make movies i said other cool hosts i meant coast other hosts who are cool uh and we all sit and chat about movies and how it gets made that's right like i said if you haven't heard that podcast yet go check it out it's great um, you, you do ruin it every now, every now and again by having Dom Lenoir come on and, uh, and, and <laughs> how dare you how dare you my primo yeah. host <laughs> he's not going to hear this he doesn't listen to his own he doesn't yeah we're getting him in soon yeah about, uh, when the screaming starts no absolutely yeah oh, you, you, and you asked me where people can find it wherever you get your podcast we're on every platform like I say we've been going for a long time so yeah we're doing very well with it and it's nice um, so it's a lovely thing to do it's and I love talking to other filmmakers. It's just when you're on set and doing stuff, it can be very difficult, uh, but it's worth it. It's totally Absolutely. worth it. Giles Olson, thank you very much for joining us uh, on the show today. To talk about your projects. Now go shoot your TV series and don't wait too long to come back and talk to us about it. I promise you, I won't. Just now you've got my number. <laughs> Message me whenever I, you I like. I always had your number, but see, I'm trying to be more respectful and not bother you because I know you're a busy man. I know that yes. you're on set doing things that, you know, a lot of us filmmakers would want to try and do. But uh, but now that you've said it and I've got it on the record, I'm going to yeah. be calling you every day. Mate, not every hours. day is pushing it, you know, but, you know, do. Yeah, no, you've, you've said it. That's you've true, I did it. say it. Uh, All right, fine. You heard him say it, right? So, yeah. So, All right. Jazz, <laughs> yeah. thank you very much for joining us. Speak to you soon. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Marcus. Thanks, David. Cheers, guys. that was our conversation with Giles Alderson. Uh, I, I can't wait to watch uh, those movies because Giles, I mean, the, the way he, he talked about uh, between, you know, uh, The Stranger in Our Bed uh, and uh, Wolves of War, I, it's, uh, I mean, it's great. I, I do want to see them. I love The Dare. I want to go see those two. I will do my best to go and see them as soon as I can and then we can talk more about it. Um, anyway, producer Dave is doing the wrap-up signal because I've obviously been ranting for too long. So I'm going to use this opportunity to say thank you to everybody who has been listening to us for the years that we've been doing this. We've been doing this for five years. Five years, can you believe? Um, anyway, thank you all for listening to me ramble. And like I always say, thank you to Resonance for not listening to me ramble because if they did, they would have taken us off air. Uh, so thank you uh, very much for sticking with us. Uh, you have been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance FM. I have been Marcus E. Ako. And I'm still producer Dave. 
Thank you very much for listening. And speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye.